Hey guys, I'm Karina. And I'm Eric. And welcome back to the Light Podcast. The Law According to Eric. All right, so our topic for today is bankruptcy fraud, which um, in my research, it just said it's a federal crime that occurs when someone intentionally takes action to hide assets or provide false information during the bankruptcy process. And then the goal of the people is usually to gain an advantage in the end. Yeah, that's a very simple explanation, but generally speaking, yes. There are many types of bankruptcy fraud um, or fraudulent activities within a bankruptcy. The most common is what's known as intentional omission, Mm -hmm. which essentially is a fancy way of saying that somebody filing bankruptcy wishes to hide or not report a certain asset they owned out of fear of losing the asset or having it sold or liquidated by a trustee. Right. So they act like they don't have it. Mm -hmm. Uh, That kind of thing has happened a bunch of times. It doesn't always rise to criminal activity. and even an intentional omission often will be met with what's called a denial of discharge. Mm-hmm. So it's not necessarily you're going to go to jail, but you basically have filed bankruptcy for nothing because you'll right. lose the asset anyway and you still won't be able to wipe out your debt. Mm-hmm. So it carries a pretty stiff penalty even without, you know, the, like the prison time. Right. But bankruptcy fraud can be a criminal offense, can be punishable up to, I think, up to 25 years oh, in wow. some cases. Yeah. So. Yeah, it's a, it's a, it's an ongoing thing, mm-hmm. and there's unfortunately there's all different levels of it, from the highly sophisticated uh, fraudulent schemes to essentially um, uh, stop foreclosures mm-hmm. and lots of different fraudulent ways in which that happens, to sort of unsuspecting patsies that have been taken advantage of by like fraudulent activity conducted by like you know organized crime rings, right? Uh, that find themselves in bankruptcy. I'll I'll tell our listeners a story about that. Mm-hmm. Um, there was a, an individual that came to see me maybe 10 years ago, mm-hmm. uh, who had close to 85,000 in credit card debt, unpaid credit card debt. So in like in any chapter seven, where we're basically going to just try to wipe out all the debt, there's no assets. Right. Mm-hmm. He doesn't own a house. He didn't own anything fancy, no special jewelry, anything mm-hmm. like that. Um, we have to still go through the intake process. Right. right? Where do you work? How much do you earn? So the guy worked at the time at a car wash and he made like 12 bucks wait, an hour. Wait, wait. You've told the story two times. Right? On this podcast? Yeah. Oh. <laughs> okay, mean, well, basically. You're going to cut it out? Or you... No, I just, okay. it's okay. Thank you. It's, I forgot. But basically, it's just the guy was being yeah. used by like the Armenian mafia yeah. to basically take out a bunch of credit cards, cash advance them. The guy got a few hundred bucks yeah. each time and then he was told to just go bankrupt. And that was a big, you know, sort of fraud. And unfortunately, he had two choices. He can either just cop to it and hope he doesn't go to jail himself, or he'd have to basically testify against the Armenian mafia, right. which may get him unalived. So <laughs> there you have it. There's other better examples, but since yeah. I already wasted time on something I already said, <laughs> we can just move on. I was going to just cut it out, honestly. I wasn't, I didn't, I didn't want to no, no, I, the whole. I think the whole beauty of our little podcast is it is uninterrupted, live, unedited, right? What you hear is what you get. So. So I had two questions regarding bankruptcy fraud that I saw that like popped up a couple of times. Um, the first one that I kind of never heard it happening. Um, but what would happen if someone who was filing bankruptcy listed something as an asset, but it wasn't theirs? Like what is a penalty for like lying about asset? Well, that's a, that's a harder question to answer. Like that's, that's typical of like this sort of foreclosure fraud Mm -hmm. where you'll have some weird trust you know, like the XYZ family trust file a chapter seven and they'll schedule an address of a property that they really have no interest in. Mm -hmm. 
mm-hmm. but that property was scheduled for foreclosure sale. And so these like quote unquote foreclosure consultants, you know, they take like three, four, five hundred bucks, a thousand bucks from some poor, unsuspecting family that's about to lose their house. Like, don't worry, we'll stop the sale. Mm-hmm. They don't explain to them that they're filing, you know, a bunch of fraudulent bankruptcy petitions or right. like giving away fractional interests of property ownership to stop sales. There's a few different ways to do it. And I certainly don't want to encourage any of our listeners to right. do anything like this, uh, but just for context. Mm-hmm. So yeah, that that's that we see that kind of stuff all the time, unfortunately. Okay. Um, and then secondly, so I saw this story and it made me laugh um, where she was trying to like, let like tip off like the trustee that someone was, the bankruptcy was like kind of like a fraud. Um, but they were asking how anonymous can you stay when you tip someone off or if there's like a time period where you can go and tell them about what's going on. Uh, well, that's, it's not a very intelligent question. So I'm sorry. <laughs> Look, I, the, I've had cases where creditors have called the trustee and were like, Oh, your client didn't report to you this mm-hmm. or this I'd rather the debtor, uh, you know, didn't list that. And, or the more common one is he lied. He really has more money or he owns, yeah. he owns a piece of this other company that he's not disclosing. Um, there, you can be anonymous, I guess. I mean, you, people mm-hmm. can call in anonymous tips all the time, you know, anytime yeah. they want. It's really the bankruptcy court's trustee or the bankruptcy trustee's job to, mm-hmm. you know, look into it. Yeah. There's no time frame as far as I know. I mean, okay. you can reopen a bankruptcy case for something like an, like an intentional omission mm-hmm. uh, at any point. Well, hers was um, she moved slash sold all of her assets um, and a business that was a, to like a very close friend of hers. Um, and it was apparently so that she wouldn't have to pay like the financial obligations for the bank. And that's why they're doing it. Um, but she knows this and she wants to go and basically like tell the trustee. Okay. So a couple of little flaws with that lady's description. Mm-hmm. Unless all of the bank loans or whatever mm-hmm. are unsecured meaning that the borrower didn't sign a personal guarantee, which almost never happens. Mm-hmm. Only like the largest, most profitable corporations have lines of credit where there's not some kind of personal guarantee. Right. Most small businesses cannot get small business fund- funding or financing without the owner mm-hmm. um, or p- the partners or whatever signing a guarantee. Right. So even if this lady sold off her business to a friend, quote unquote, uh, unless she had no personal obligation, anything, right. then- you know, it would, the bank would just come after her. Right. So that's number one. Number two, I'm wondering if the person posting this question is owed money by that lady. No, she said her daughter's in the same sports as her daughter and she's just overheard it. Like, okay. Like that. So that's just what, soccer what, mom drama. Yeah. That, that's just somebody <laughs> spilling tea or whatever. Yeah. Uh, I, I'm not, you know what? I'm not going to even bother <laughs> That lady can just wallow in her own misery. And I feel like at the end of the day, um, don't they say like trustees find everything out? Like at the end of the day. Well, let me put it like this. You are, as a, as a as a bankruptcy attorney, as a practicing attorney, I always assume mm-hmm. that the trustees will find everything, right. and I explain to the clients that there's a very good chance, somehow, some way, whatever it is you think you're smarter than the trustee mm-hmm. about hiding, will come out. Mm-hmm. So if I know what it is and I know the value, we can work around it. We can offer to buy the estate's interest back if it's something super important to you. If it's worth up to a certain amount, but less than a certain amount, we can mm-hmm. exempt it under what's called a wild card exemption, mm-hmm. uh, which literally is, I think it's like $25,000 of, you can literally exempt cash under your mattress mm-hmm. and, you know, 25,000, the trustee can't touch it. Right. As long as you're not utilizing your homestead exemption. Mm-hmm. So if you're filing chapter seven and you don't own a home, mm-hmm. but you have like a Rolex that you got as a graduation present or something, mm-hmm. you can exempt that. 
you don't have to lie about it. You know, yeah. you can protect up to $25,000 worth of stuff, any stuff. Um, that's good to know. For yeah. Because I feel like they, I think that's the amount. I'd have to look yeah. it up. Honestly, I'm not in front of like my, my screen. Um, but that, but basically it's called the, in California, you have yeah. called the wild card exemption Ooh. and you can use it for just about anything. Wow. Okay. Um, so I think that wraps up us explaining it. Do you want to do the, well, I, let me, let me explain it a little better okay. than the okay. textbook <laughs> definition. Okay. Bankruptcy fraud essentially is anytime a debtor in bankruptcy or a creditor misreports information intentionally. Like, right. let's just keep it simple. Creditors can be guilty of bankruptcy fraud too by filing, for example, a false proof of claim mm -hmm. or claiming more money than they're really owed, mm -hmm. hoping that, you know, they get some kind of windfall. We've even seen that, which is like so ridiculous, right? Because you have to justify your claim, but people think they can get away with stupidity. Mm -hmm. So it happens. Yeah, people think they're slick and that's tales all this time. All right. So now we're going to do the, what would Eric do segment? Okay. What would Eric do? But by the way, did you hear about that shoe store that burned down? No. Apparently a bunch of souls were lost. <laughs> so for our, see Jen laugh. Okay, my dad okay. joke was good. <laughs> okay, I know. Let me let me just I I you know we should have introduced it. Let me tell the audience. We're every week we're going to have a dad joke segment, and so Karina has one and I have one. And, and honestly, uh, my short term memory is not very good today, so I forgot we were going to do that too. But so, but here's mine. Where, uh, where where do you go to learn how to make a banana split? Where? Sunday school. Oh my god, <laughs> that was good. Oh Thank you. God. So, and, and before I forget, I just want to say, last week we had the best insomnia cookies. Yes, they were so good, and they had the like the Thanksgiving flavors of like mm -hmm. the gingerbread. Oh my gosh! And then I ordered more yesterday. No special yeah. reason. They just they sent an email with a deal: buy twelve, get twelve free. Literally got two dozen for the price of one dozen, and they were amazing. Chocolate chip. Peanut butter, mm -hmm. Snickerdoodle, the the ginger ones, all of them. They're I'm serious. They're the best. They're the best. They're so good. I I have tried multiple like because you know like gourmet cookies is like mm -hmm. a thing now. Yeah. Right. They have crumble and milk jar. I've tried them all. Yeah. They all suck compared to and as far as I'm concerned. By the way, he ordered milk jar when I wasn't here, guys. But no, they're you're you'd be lucky because <laughs> I didn't even want them. We t I, I literally I, I gave them to Jennifer's kids. Like, I didn't, we didn't want them. Like I brought them home. Even my own kids didn't want them. Like they're just yeah. they're, they're I don't like the big thick brick bulky cookie yeah. insomnia is first of all are fresh mm -hmm. they're warm they're like those boneless cookies have you heard of that term being when they call them all warm and like soft and gooey they're like boneless but they have the right <laughs> amount of like crunch on the yeah. outside yeah right and um and they're flat yeah right they're not bumpy and thick so crumble actually, overwhelms me yeah the milk jar too and what i didn't like about milk jar is they didn't feel fresh right they were yeah. putting these oh. individual wrappers you know, and that makes it feel like a like a supermarket cookie like kind 7 of. Seven Eleven. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and so we don't we don't like those. So kudos to Insomnia. Hashtag Insomnia rules. Whatever. Yeah, they're just really good. And uh, I'm gonna order another batch Friday for the weekend <laughs> to take home because they're so good. But mm -hmm. anyway, okay. So right. what would what would Eric do? All right, first one. My friend plans on taking out a personal loan and then immediately filing for bankruptcy. Stupid. <laughs> don't do it. Is it, it as dumb stop. as I think? Yes. Stop. <laughs> My friend has a lot of debt, enough that filing for bankruptcy might be his only option. Yeah, he should do it then without taking the loan. <laughs> That's fraud. <laughs> Since he's figured he's going to need to file Chapter 7 anyways, he thought he might take out a 20K loan to pay off his rent for a year before filing. Oh, is that all? <laughs> 20,000. 
to have the debt washed. This would allow him to use what he has been paying in rent as a nice little safety net and possibly to invest in his future where he couldn't before. This to me sounds like it shouldn't work or even be illegal in some way. Am I right? What yeah, you're right. It's not this? legal. <laughs> um, look, we, we actually, in all seriousness, now we, we get questions like this all the time during intake. And the question is, look, if I'm going to go bankrupt anyway, mm -hmm. what harm is it? And so here's the thing. Number one, if you take out a loan mm -hmm. with the intent to not pay it back, whether it's because mm -hmm. you're going to file bankruptcy, which is legal, or other reasons, that's fraud because your intent is fraudulent. Right. Number one. Number two, uh, if you take a new loan or new credit and then you don't make your first three payments, that's mm -hmm. considered fraud on its face. Yeah. Right? You can't just do that. Uh, so- Yes. And what will happen is the lender, mm -hmm. if it's like some hard money loan or some like one of these payday loan places or whatever, mm -hmm. they will file a lawsuit within the bankruptcy called an adversary proceeding right. seeking to accept that debt from your discharge, which means you may be able to wipe out all the other debt, but that debt will survive. Oh, wow. wow. So, and that's what we call uh, an adversary proceeding. And the code mm -hmm. section is 523 of the bankruptcy code, mm -hmm. exceptions to discharge. There you go. That's a big one. Well, so, was dumb. Tell, yes, tell your friend that he's probably dumber than he even looks <laughs> and don't do stupid stuff. You know, goddamn Google it, right? I mean, that's a very simple explanation, Yeah. right? Don't, don't leave it up to your friends to post, you know, post on Reddit. I know. Crying out loud. I okay. Know. Sorry. I hope his friend was I'm, I'm, I'm a little help. salty today. I just, just so the <laughs> audience understands. Okay. Next one is called my parents forged my signature. Hi. <laughs> Sorry. Hi, I'm 20 years old and I live in Indiana. When I went to college, my father and my stepmother signed my name on student loans without my knowledge. They told me they signed me up for scholarships. I was 17 at the time. My stepmother also filed my FAFSA with her income and not my mother's and caused me to get less financial aid, even though I was not living with them. I know I'm seeing your faces. <laughs> I took a year off of college and I'm now trying to go back to the same school. But now they're letting me know that I have 15K in collections. Their emails were and are still linked to most of my things, including medical bills, which they will not even give me access to. They deposited my tax refund last year into their bank account without my approval and sent me random small amounts of money for two months. It's like $20. I just don't know what to do anymore. I live with my boyfriend in our own place and haven't lived with them in over two years. <sighs> that, that, that's a very unfortunate. Yeah. Thing. So here's the thing. First, I want to. I have to give the disclaimer. If they're in Indiana, they're not in California. I'm not licensed in Indiana. Right. I don't want this to be construed as me giving legal mm -hmm. advice. The question is, what would I do? Yeah. Okay. So before I can tell you what I would do, I think that she may have a bad case. If mm -hmm. she was a minor at the time, yeah. then minors cannot enter into contracts to begin with. Right. Or those contracts can be voided mm -hmm. uh, ab initio, which means like upon the onset. Mm -hmm. So her parents signing for her may have actually been lawful. Okay. Now it's morally fucked up yeah. for her parents not to consult with her mm -hmm. and lie and say, we're getting you scholarships when in actuality they just, you know, blew out a bunch of loans to pay her tuition. Mm -hmm. Now I can also look at it from uh, a more uh, sensitive perspective and maybe their thought was, we're just going to pay the loans for her. Right. She'll never know. I don't want her, you know, to have to worry about it, mm -hmm. um, you know, and, and so maybe their intention was better and they just couldn't afford it or they missed payments or something happened. Right. I'm not sure I understood about the withholding the tax return and giving her $20 here and there, unless that means like her parents 
got her tax refund. Yeah, they deposited that okay. in their account. So that's a different story because now she's over 18. That's mm -hmm. essentially theft or conversion. Right. Um, that's a different issue. I assume that, again, without knowing Indiana law, I mean, Eric, would Eric sue his mom and dad? No. Um, would I go after them for that money? No. Uh, I would probably just let it go, not speak to him for a while. Yeah. Maybe send him a pretty nasty letter and email. And do her own FAFSA too. Yeah. Her own mother. And I would, I would, but I, what I would do is I would contact FAFSA and any other academic, you know, uh, agency and mm -hmm. let them know what happened and that I'll be doing this on my own from now on. Right. And please don't give my information out to anybody else or whatever. But, also, it's yeah. weird that still she can't access her medical like things because she's twenty. I feel like she should be able to access. That yeah, now. I don't know what that's about. Yeah. If there's some kind of financial hold on it or yeah. something, or I, yeah, I don't really understand a lot of that question. I mean, well, I understand most of it, but yeah. I don't know what the medical records have anything to do with anything. I think she's just you know yeah, venting she might be out venting and everything else they've done. Yeah, yeah, but that's what I'm saying. Like, what would I do? Probably nothing except notify all these other agencies yeah. or organizations of what happened. Mm -hmm. Um. The other thing too, it depends if she, you know, doesn't really care about a long-term relationship with her parents is I, I, I do like, like we see these all the time. Like yeah. these like disgruntled kids that make TikToks about their parents. Like my mom stole my college tuition yeah. and went to like Atlantic city mm -hmm. and lost it all or whatever. Yeah. Put them out there, put, you know, let the world know what kind of people they are. I but mean, not that like I would that do that girl. to my parents, but. And I remember, don't be like the girl who sued their parents for being born. Remember that one? Well, that was stupid. <laughs> right. But I'm saying like, this is different. Yeah. This is actual money. Like yeah, the no, tax this, return yeah. for sure. Yeah. Like that's a pretty fucked up thing. And, and I'm guessing it wasn't tens of thousands of dollars. No. Meaning, you know, she's a 20 year old. Maybe but she lives on her own. So she, she could have yeah. used that. That's money, what I'm saying. Know? That, yeah. that the money may have been yeah. really significant to her, yeah. even though the amount probably wouldn't have killed her parents. Mm -hmm. So yeah, that's, that's really, really messed up. Yeah. All right. Next one. Was this bankruptcy fraud? My girlfriend and I purchased a house and during the process, her mom gave her a 10 K loan to go towards the house. It turned out, however, that mom is being pursued by credit card debt collectors and is declaring bankruptcy to avoid the debt. I believe that by giving my girlfriend the 10K before declaring bankruptcy, she was committing bankruptcy fraud to try to, to try and conceal assets. Mom is expecting the money sometimes back in the future and is requesting some money back already for her lawyer. I just want to know if this is bankruptcy fraud. Would we be found liable if anything? And what are the repercussions to my girlfriend's finances slash the house? Would debt collectors be able to request the 10K away from us? So let me answer that last question first. Mm -hmm. In that, the answer is no. Debt collectors can only pursue people who owe them the debt, right? If they're, this person's mother unlawfully transferred assets, mm -hmm. then that's up to the debt collectors to try to unwind it. Right. But that doesn't mean that they can go after the daughter for that money. Okay. Okay. Is it bankruptcy fraud? That's a harder question to answer because if the mom discloses on her schedules mm -hmm. that she loaned this money to her daughter and that it would be considered an asset, it's right. a receivable, mm -hmm. then that's really all she has to do. The bankruptcy trustee will either pursue it or mm -hmm. not if it's worth their time. Um, if the daughter actually put the money into the house, meaning like she made repairs mm -hmm. or purchased an appliance, most trustees aren't going to pursue her for that. Right. Right, especially if it's something that was like needed and a necessity. necessity. Uh, again, the mom's position will be: it was just a loan. It's my child; she has to pay me back. Right. Okay, the bankruptcy trustee can say, "Well, if she ever does pay you back, you have to give the money to me." But I'm not going to make a big deal out of it. Right. The daughter could arrange a deal with the trustee that says, "Look, I understand that I may have to repay this because it's an asset, but I don't have it now. I had to buy a refrigerator. 
and fix the stove. Right. Um, but I'll give you X amount per month or make mm-hmm. some kind of deal. That's possible too. But there is, again, depending on where they live and, and how many other debt, how much other debt there is and how many other mm-hmm. assets it may be, this may be inconsequential to the trustee. Now, is the mom like a filthy scandalous person for like using her kid like that? Yes. Like, would I ever do that to my child? No. Right. Uh, especially not for that amount. I don't want to sound like an asshole. I know $10,000 <laughs> is a lot for some people, but I'm just saying, like, yeah. I hate to, I mean, I don't want to be a jerk, right? But no, I mean, yeah. I should bigger than 10000 I don't, I don't need to, you know, have a bankruptcy yeah. trustee pursue my children yeah. or, or drag them into it. That's really the issue. Yeah. That's what right? he's worried about. So yeah. And that's really the issue yeah. is the amount is, doesn't justify what could happen. Mm-hmm. And she may have to get her own lawyer to deal with the trustee. So I, that's just, you know, that was just kind of nasty. Yeah. But uh, the, the correct thing to do, the mom should list it as an asset, mm-hmm. show documentation, like here's the money I wired or here's the check mm-hmm. and let the trustee decide what to do. But it's not fraud if she discloses the debt. Right. Okay. Is it considered fraud to file bankruptcy after signing a lease? I've come under some financial hardships that have gotten so bad that I've, that I've had to make the unfortunate decision to file bankruptcy as I can't afford it. Alongside that, I was needing to find a new place to stay since my landlords aren't renewing my lease in December. I visited another complex and got info about everything there, and they happened to mention that if I were to apply, I would automatically be denied if there were felonies, due payments from other landlords, and more importantly, a bankruptcy on your record. So my question is, if I were to apply and get approved for the apartment but file right after I move in, would that be considered fraud? That's a hard question to answer, but my, my, I don't know what state they're in or anything like they that. What would Eric do? Um, I don't know. I'd probably go for the apartment and wait a few months. Yeah. And then file. I mean, it takes time for credit card companies to like actually sue you. So you can send a letter. You put it in writing saying, I only wish to be communicated with in writing. I don't want mm-hmm. any phone calls. They have to respect that. That's part of what's called the Fair Debt Collection Practices Act. Right. So under the FDCPA, bill collectors can't harass you or, phone, or give you phone calls if you tell them not to, but you have to put it in writing. Mm-hmm. Send them all letters. Guys, I only want to be communicated with by mail. And then don't do anything for a few months. Yeah. It'll take them time to actually get a law firm, file a lawsuit, and even to get a judgment. So what? it's not a fraud judgment. It's a credit card debt. Right. Right. In the meantime, after you get a lease and after you pay your rent, you can file. You can reaffirm your lease. Mm-hmm. You can keep it and just keep paying your rent. And it's for an apartment. You can do it for a car too. You can keep a car after a lease also in bankruptcy. Right. So I would just say if like, if she, if he's going to be denied a place that he really likes just because he filed, I would get the place first and then I would wait a few months, file it after, not right away, like not the next day. Right. What would Eric do? Eric would wait Mm -hmm. and file like in three months. Okay. Next one. Parents are going to declare bankruptcy and they're using my bank account to hide money. This is a throwaway account for obvious reasons. My parents are going to declare bankruptcy and they have been using my bank account. I'm over 18 and their names are not on my bank account. They use it to cash their checks and withdraw the cash to hide it from the government. They've been depositing checks into my bank account and are having me sign a bunch of blank checks, which they cash for themselves in the amount that they deposit. What kind of legal trouble would this get me into and what kind of trouble would it get them into? Thank you for all your help. (laughs) Okay, you're welcome. (laughs) Although I don't think you're going to find this very helpful. But here's the deal. Mm -hmm everybody's guilty on this one. Yeah. Okay. The child is complicit, assuming he's an adult. Yeah, 18. Yeah. Okay. I know uh, an 18-year-old is legally an adult, although if he lives at home and he's under his parents' roof, he's probably just trying to be a good son or a good daughter, you know, and kind of do what they say, but they would essentially be an accomplice in, it is, that is bankruptcy fraud if you are funneling money and hiding it and then making your son write checks to cash. Yeah. Uh, if the trustee finds where the money is coming from, 
I don't mean the cash checks. I mean, how is money getting into yeah. the kid's account? Mm-hmm. It's got to be going for somehow. Yeah. Now, if the parents are stupid enough to have their like work direct deposits directed to their yeah. kid's account, then honestly, they deserve whatever they're going to get. Well, no, right? I think they're depositing checks and then just Well, but that's, what, that's the yeah. question. Where do yeah. they earn their income and yeah. for what? Right. If they're what we call under the law, under bankruptcy code, if they're called wage earners, right, then your wages are exempt. Like, you, you know, the, you, you, nobody garnishes your paychecks in bankruptcy. Right. You may make too much for a chapter seven. You may have to go into a chapter 13 and repay, you know, a part of your, all, all your unsecured debt, but you, you're not denied bankruptcy because you have a certain income. Right. It's only a question of what chapter you can file and who gets paid back. Mm-hmm. So the bankruptcy code is actually really fair. In that, if you have less than a hundred dollars a month of disposable income after all your expenses are paid, and when I say all, I mean like your cell phone and cable, groceries, gas, insurance, I mean everything, right? Then you file chapter seven, doesn't matter, right? It's okay. And even if your income is higher than the means test, if your expenses are reasonable and justified. So if you own a house and your house doesn't have more than 600,000 in equity Mm -hmm. and you want to file chapter seven, you can, even if your mortgage payments 15,000 a month and you make 20,000 a month. Mm-hmm. You can because so much is going to a, a, an actual valid expense. Right. So it is really, really stupid if they're funneling yeah. payroll. Now, if like say, for example, they're self-employed, right? Right. Now we have a different question because they're going to, at some point, they're going to want to know how they're surviving, right? They file bankruptcy. Trustees, what, what, what do you make for income? Well, we're self-employed. Okay. Self-employed people have to provide 12 months worth of bank statements and last mm-hmm. couple of tax returns. Trustees are going to want to know, well, how come all of a sudden you stop? There's no more deposits. Right. Like, are you earning any income at all? What are they going to say? They're either going to say, no, we're not earning any income. Okay. How are you paying rent? How are you buying food? Or they're going to say, well, we're getting less income. And because there was a judgment and our account was levied on, we're, we're using our son's account, but then the trustee's going to want to see all of the son's yep. bank statements. So all in all, this is a pretty messed up situation. Chances are that everybody will get in trouble for this. Uh, the son could unwittingly be a kind of accomplished and subjected to whatever the bankruptcy court's going to do. Uh, so I were him, I would make that practice stop. Right. What would Eric do? Eric would tell his parents no more. Eric would open a new bank account completely separate from all of it. Stop signing checks. Stop signing checks and tell his parents, we're not going to, you're not going to do bankruptcy for at least another year, mm-hmm. nine months, whatever. Mm-hmm. Time has to go on. You know, that's it. That's what Eric would do. Okay. Excellent. Is this bankruptcy fraud? Location is California. I loaned my right. <laughs> I loaned my brother 15k for fertility treatments. My parents wanted grandchildren and I'm not planning to have any, so I agreed to loan my brother the money in hopes of a niece or a nephew. Don't say all it, it goes downhill. We signed a contract, agreed no interest on the loan and a minimum payment of 200 a month. The loan also excluded his wife from the debt. In the end, they didn't have a baby and the marriage suffered as a result and they were divorced by the next year. Everyone was very sad, including me, and I offered to forgive $5,000 off from the loan. My brother said it was his responsibility and that I worked hard for that money and he would eventually pay it off, but to give him some time. By the start of this year, my brother had made around 9000 in payments and owed a balance of 6000 He got a new job and was getting paid more, so we both expected him to meet his obligation by the end of the year. In February, he met another woman. They married in April and he stopped making payments to me in May. He told me he can't afford to pay the loan anymore. Maybe that is true, but my brother and sister-in-law are living a lavish lifestyle. They've taken several vacations during the summer. She buys designer clothes and just had plastic surgery in October. She had her breast, tummy, and nose done. When my mom 
asked how she was able to afford the surgery, she inadvertently disclosed to my mom that they intend to open as many credit accounts as they can, charge them up, and then file for bankruptcy. She also told my mom she doesn't think that she should have to pay for his loans from his previous marriage and that his ex-wife owes me the remaining balance. I'm pissed, but I understand I may never see any of that money that my brother owes me. But is it legal for them to use bankruptcy like that? That's a, that's a really uh, upsetting question in a, on a yep. lot of levels. So let me start by saying, like the last part, that the new wife is correct that it is not her legal obligation right. to pay his loan that was before they met or prior mm -hmm. to their marriage. That debt would not be a community debt. Well, I think she meant, and regardless. Like I, now I understand together, what she yeah. meant. I, yeah. I, but <laughs> I'm just explaining... <laughs> Okay, because yeah. she sounds like a terrible human being. Yeah, but I'm just explaining that legally, she has no obligation to pay a loan that her yeah. husband took before they got married. Mm -hmm. Okay, the brother, on the other hand, I think okay, you're asking what would Eric do. Eric is very close with his brother. Mm -hmm. Eric has had some scrapes with his sister-in-law's sister, <laughs> not his sister-in-law necessarily. Um, but I understand. But so. What Eric would do just to preserve his relationship with his brother is I would just forgive the balance and say, yeah. screw it. Now, is it bankruptcy fraud to open as many credit cards and personal loan accounts as you can, bang them up, and then file bankruptcy? Yes, if your intention is to never repay them. Right. The other issue that most people don't think about is that what you put in your credit application is essentially a sworn statement under, mm -hmm. like, under like penalty of perjury. Mm -hmm. has the same effect. So if a lending institution or a credit card company extends credit to you based on the information you provide, and that mm -hmm. information is knowingly false, like you put down, you make 150000 a year and you only make 50000 a year, mm -hmm. and it's not a typo, then that's fraud. And they can try to accept from discharge those debts, mm -hmm. even if they make the first few payments, right? So all around, this sounds like a very cunty person yeah. who, you know, now look, now look. We don't know them personally. We don't know if she really is rolling in designer clothes right. or whatever, or if like designer for them is like Kohl's, like whatever, like a Target or whatever. I don't know. It is for, I'm not, I'm not, I'm not trying to make fun. I'm just saying we don't really know yeah. what lavish lifestyle means. Yeah. A lavish lifestyle in Hesperia is far <laughs> different, you know, than a lavish yeah. lifestyle like in, you know, LA. Yeah. Right. So well, they said they've been on vacations a lot. I understand, but okay, that. Palm Springs yeah. is a vacation. So is Italy. That's. <laughs> I mean, it's it just. I'm just saying everything is relative. Yeah. No. Right? Yeah. So, but my point is this: I think that if I were the brother, I would still pay my brother back mm -hmm. because this was meant to, you know, bring a child into the world. Right. And this was for good, beautiful purpose. You know, uh, purpose and for reasons. Mm -hmm. This wasn't like, hey, I'm in, I, I'm in trouble with a bookie, mm -hmm. and then two weeks later, I'm still betting on, you know, sports. Or, it's not like that. Right. So that's what I would do personally. Even if I went bankrupt, I would figure out a way to pay my brother back right. separately yeah. on my own. I would reaffirm his debt, mm -hmm. whatever. Okay. Other than that, I, you know, what else would I do? I would, I would let it go. And again, you can't. He can't control what his brother does. Sounds like his new sister-in-law's a bitch. Um, Definitely. But whatever, they're gonna, you know. They're going to make their bed and they're going to lie in it. If, yeah. if they're stupid enough to run up a bunch of credit and just think that nobody's going to notice, then okay, take your shot. And by the way, any competent lawyer that they go to for bankruptcy is going to see all these statements. Yeah. He's going to ask, when's the last payment? When's the last time you used this card? When's the last time you made a payment on this mm -hmm. card? What were you purchasing? Because that goes back to if they bang up a bunch of lavish stuff, watches, TVs. Right, right. That's fraud. If the credit card debt 
is used for everyday living expenses or necessities, mm -hmm. food, gasoline, clothing, things like that, they can probably get away with it. Right. Okay. Excellent. Contractor scammed animal rescue, filed bankruptcy, and then committed fraud. And then committed fraud. I guess. Yeah, okay. That's the that's title. I, that's I the title. <laughs> I run a 501c3 animal rescue. We hired a contractor to renovate our outbuilding. He took a deposit, then kept delaying the start date. Finally, he just stopped responding. We literally never heard from him again. We tried to serve him but couldn't find an address and then received a bankruptcy notice in the mail. According to the bankruptcy submission, he owes 200k to various creditors, including many homeowners who he did the same thing to. I've spoken with some of these homeowners and to say that they've also been massively affected by this contractor's action is an understatement. In the bankruptcy submission, the contractor listed that he had no firearms amongst his assets. I found this unlikely as he is an ex-military hunter. I spoke with a fellow creditor who was a previous friend slash employee of the contractor and he told me the contractor had a large collection of guns i informed the trustee yesterday at the meeting of the creditors which i attended the trustee questioned him on the guns and he admitted to owning one or two as if someone doesn't know exactly how many guns they own unless they have a ton of them doesn't this constitute bankruptcy fraud how do i pursue this i would love to recoup some of the rescues money because people donated that money but i pretty much given up hope on that so at the very least i'd like to see some sort of penalty for his behavior he is currently unemployed and has been for months the only gig he's had recently was in the contracting business but it seems like he did a little of legitimate work it's heartbreaking to know that he gets to walk away from this after taking money from hardworking people. All right, all right. I, I don't, I, I, okay. <laughs> that was it. That was I, it. Okay. okay. I, like, all right. Sometimes people just write too much. Yeah. So here, so here's what Eric would do. Okay. Eric would file what's called an adversary proceeding in that mm -hmm. contractor's chapter seven, mm -hmm. and I would seek to accept from discharge the debt. Mm -hmm. I would also file that's under what's called section code section five twenty three. Okay. Five twenty three deals with individual creditors and their debts. Mm -hmm. Okay. But you can also file an adversary proceeding under what's called Section 727, okay. which would be to deny his discharge to all the creditors. Hmm. And any one creditor has standing to bring that kind of action. Right. And the fact that he omitted assets out of his bankruptcy yeah. is enough yeah. to do a 727, right? And that would not only make the animal rescues debt dischargeable, it would potentially make all of the debts dischargeable. So if he really wants to punish this guy, mm -hmm. jail won't help because he'll never be able to make money and pay anybody back. But you make it so that he can't yeah. discharge and wipe out all these debts. He's going to owe money to all these people, then sue him or get a judgment or then get a judgment in the bankruptcy court for non-dischargeability or whatever and, and stay after him. Send him to a collection agency. Haul him in for a judgment debtor exam. Yeah. No, if, 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 look, Eric also can be vindictive. Okay. If I feel like somebody yeah. has done something super wrong, especially to one of my clients. Yes, I have been known to be really, really savage. Yeah. And this is a case that I would probably do that for if yeah. the animal rescue was my client, Yeah. right? Because it's, it's, it's a nonprofit. Yeah. It, it's meant to try to deal with stray animals and help the animal population by neutering and, and, and mm -hmm. spaying and all that kind of stuff. These animal rescues are unsung heroes in a lot of ways. Literally. So, uh, you know, it's bad enough to knowingly take money and not be able to perform work or rip anybody off. It's a little bit worse in my book if you do it to an organization that depends on yeah. donations, yeah. that doesn't have a big stack of money. So for example, I have one client, I can't name his name, but he has no issue whatsoever like scamming an insurance company because his position is insurance companies do this to people all the time. They right. routinely deny claims that they shouldn't deny. They collect your premium. They cancel you if you're a day late. They don't give a shit. Mm -hmm. And then, but when it comes time to pay, they look for every reason not to. Mm -hmm. Okay. But this is not an insurance company, right? Yeah. This is a pet rescue. Give me a break. Literally. All right. Last one. 
My parents want to transfer their home to me before filing bankruptcy. Isn't this fraud? Yes. Don't do it. Stop. That can be undone. Hold I mean, on. There's okay. more to this. Oh, more to this. all right. Sorry. So my parents have a 500K debt. They own a home that's worth around 800K, a car worth maybe 20, and another car worth probably 10. They make 50K annually, and that's combined. My dad's planning to retire ASAP, but he has zero savings. I live in a different state and have no assets, and I make only like 70K annually, and I just graduated from college. My parents went to a bankruptcy lawyer, and he told them that if they transfer their home to me now, they can file bankruptcy in seven years and not lose the home. The logic being that the look-back period that is reported is six years, so my parents would not have to disclose that they transferred me the home. My parents had a different lawyer draft up a document where I'm the owner on the deed, but my parents still have financial responsibilities. They're going to be paying the property taxes and it will show up on their tax returns. My parents will also be tenants in the home for as long as they live. They are pressuring me to sign this document. If my parents live in the house, which in the clause in the deed, it's wrote up in there, and still pay property taxes on the house, which is in the deed to transfer as well, wouldn't this be caught immediately as fraudulent? Uh, not necessarily. So we've seen similar instances here, but in, the, in, in our client's case, there was a prenuptial agreement. We waited to file for four years or he waited till the house was transferred after four years. So mm -hmm. when we filed the case for this particular client, the four years was up in a few months. So we okay. waited a few months and then mm -hmm. filed it. So they couldn't go back and undo that. Mm -hmm. um, what you're describing is something called a life estate. Where in real estate, I can give a life estate to someone from my house mm -hmm. and say, you can live in this house for as long as you are naturally alive, mm -hmm. right? And you can never be kicked out and that's it, but the house belongs to me, mm -hmm. but you can live in it throughout your entire life up mm -hmm. until the day you die. That's a life estate. And that's essentially what they're saying they would get from the son. Mm -hmm. They're going to transfer the house to the son. He's going to give them a life estate. And in exchange, they're going to pay the property taxes or make mortgage mm -hmm. payments or whatever. Mm -hmm. It sounds okay in theory. I don't know what state they're in. I don't know what the- well, that's the other question. Yeah. What is the homestead exemption amount in the state they live in? Mm -hmm. So if their house is worth 800000 and they owe zero, mm -hmm. then nothing's going to help. If they owe three hundred, right, and it's worth eight hundred, and they live in California mm -hmm. or in Los Angeles where the homestead exemption can be 600000 they can still file and not do anything. Right. Right? They can exempt the equity and keep it. Mm -hmm. Their income is not too high. 50K combined, yeah. for even just for two people, is well within yeah. the means test. They're not going to have an issue yeah. with that. So again, depends on the state they're in, right. but the answer is they could do it. Um, and yes, the, the seven year period uh, would be like, they don't have to disclose assets transferred within a certain period of time. Mm -hmm. It's a little contrived and the trustee is going to see that they pay the property taxes on the tax returns or they take a, yeah. a mortgage interest deduction of some kind or something like that. So they're gonna have to explain that. Mm -hmm. And that might be a little bit difficult to explain because I think most trustees are going to see through and understand what they did. Exactly. But just because something is less than ethical or, or planned strategically doesn't make it illegal. So I what would Eric do? Eric would probably, yeah, Eric would yeah. probably be okay with it. Okay. Well, I think that wraps up our episode. So thank you guys for listening and follow on wherever you guys listen. By the way, my, my dad joke was way better than yours. My dad joke was better. I had oh, another one. Do you want to hear the other one? Okay, go ahead. Did you know that the first French fries weren't actually cooked in France? They were cooked in Greece. <laughs> See, she laughed. She <laughs> You're laughing. You're laughing. <laughs> exactly. You see? Did you did you see that, that news feed about the actress that was stabbed? Which actress? You know, uh, Reese. Uh, Weatherspoon. No, Karina, with a knife. <laughs> see? Thank you. Eric always wins. In the background laughter, that's Jennifer, guys. Oh, we, we do we have her. I know. We do have a, by, by the way, we have a new lo a slogan. Oh, yeah. What is it? Oh, money gone?
Ben Savicon. Exactly. Go. That's right. If you're, if you're out of money and you need to go bankrupt. Money, and we need money right now. Holidays are coming up. That's guys. right. Money gone. Ben <laughs> Samacon. We'll get it. We'll get it done. All right. Well, thank you guys for listening. Follow us on Instagram at the Bensama Confirm on Twitter and TikTok at the Bensama Confirm. Website is eblawfirm.us. And you can email us at info at eblawfirm.us. Bye. Bye. <laughs>